0: It's a Monday on Today in Ohio with three weeks to go before the end of the year. We will have an abbreviated schedule of this podcast as we get toward the holidays. We haven't quite figured it out yet, but we're here today. It is Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn here with Lisa Garvin, Layla Tassi, and Laura Johnston. Do we need any more evidence that the people leading the Republican Party in Ohio are unhinged? Why were they so proud of their endorsement vote Friday, Laura, in the 2024 presidential election?
1: I I have no words for this, Chris. I find it unconscionable and despicable that somebody who tried to overthrow the government and created a riot that killed people is Endorsed for president. So really, I I don't I cannot explain this. I I don't think we're Ohio is going to be alone in this, but I don't really understand how everybody's throwing their support behind Trump after January 6th.
0: Well, and they're proud because they're the first state Republican Party to do so. What boggles my mind is there is an alternative. The Democrats are kind of stuck, right? Because none of the, the viable candidates will challenge the incumbent Biden. So the Democrats are stuck with a guy that many do not have confidence should stay. But the Republicans do. They have Nikki Haley. They've Ron DeSantis, who nobody really likes. But Nikki Haley has a lot of momentum. And yet the Republican mm-hmm. Party of Ohio says, nope, nope, nope. We're going for Trump. It's amazing to me that they won't even allow this battle to ensue to see where it might go
1: right the first contest is the iowa caucus and that doesn't even happen until january 15th that's why other state republican parties have yet to endorse and that's i mean we can argue a lot about the primary process and why we shouldn't have it and that it uh, attracts fringe candidates rather than Candidates that would work toward the middle and appeal to the majority of independent voters. But that's why they have a primary process so that they don't have to endorse so that you can allow the people in your party to look at the choices and say, I think this is the best. I don't understand why we have a primary if the Republican Party of Ohio with just one no vote is going to say this is the guy.
0: I hear from so many Republicans that are aghast at the idea of Donald Trump. It's just even Ted died wrote a column saying, what are you thinking? Go with Nikki Haley. I had a column a couple of weeks ago where I asked people where we should put our efforts in 2024. And one of the things that was a a pretty serious theme was you guys ought to do everything you can to stop Donald Trump from being reelected because he wants to be a dictator, which he clearly does. I mean, he has been very clear about what he intends to do. He he doesn't care about the Constitution. He wants to be the strongman. He wants to be Vladimir Putin. And so I, I wrote this In my column this week, this is what people are asking. They ask for a lot of other things that we can do something about. I explain Mm -hmm. that we're not a national platform. There's lots of national platforms. But I actually got from the handful of people I always hear from, you know, go Trump, which at this point you ought to be saying Heil Trump, because basically you are saying we want to be 1939 and bring in Adolf Hitler. I don't understand how anybody objectively can look at this i I was thinking this weekend as i'm getting them you know i visited normandy some years ago where all those those uh cross and star-shaped headstones are for all the Mm -hmm. guys that died fighting to stop somebody like hitler and donald trump from being a leader and what they would think today to have people sending me notes saying go trump it just boggles my mind i yeah. cannot understand how anybody objectively can say that's the guy unless they just want to be sheep and follow a leader and have a dictator
1: well i sent you the the sign i saw on my run on saturday morning that says remember fascism is bad and it's like i cannot believe we've gotten to this point in the country that we need to remind people that fascism is Really terrible, and that you're not uniting behind someone of change who looks forward to the future, who has plans. He's just spewing hatred. I don't understand why anyone would want to get behind that.
0: A columnist from the New York Times, I think it was the New York Times, it might have been the Washington Post, wrote a long piece this weekend about why the Trump dictatorship is much more likely than anybody can see. Because if he gets elected, that's what he's going to do, and there's almost no one to stop him. And yet, I, the, the Republican Party of Ohio, that's what they want. They don't want democracy. They don't want people to have a vote. They want a strongman dictator. They want Mussolini. All of them. That's their model. This is the country that was designed against that. And so many people have died for what our principles are supposed to be.
1: I know. And instead of obviously they weren't concentrating on January 6th or the hate filled messages that he's spewing. They said, you know, he presided over a strong economy, a period of international peace like he had anything to do with that. I feel like we're living in very different worlds, which is a common theme on this podcast, right? Like this part, this partisan divide and the fact that we, we want civil discourse that they see the world just so differently than I do.
0: Well, it's because they're being lied to by the the partisan media. Gas prices are under $3 again, but everybody is convinced that the economy is in the worst shape it's ever been in, which simply is not true. And again, that's an ends justify the means. Okay, I'll throw out democracy. I'll throw out our constitution so that my groceries are a little bit cheaper. I mean, that's not what it's supposed to be about.
1: That's not even, it's not a given, right? That's no guarantee. I, I just feel like people vote. But, I don't know. I, again, I, I can't explain this. I said this at the beginning, I'm trying, but I just see this so differently that I can't fathom feeling this way. And regardless, Ohio's primary election is March 19th. So uh, the people do get a decision that the party d- endorsement does not mean anything yeah. if the voters don't take it.
0: We should point out, this is the same party that endorsed issue one in August and it got body yeah. slammed. They endorsed against issue one in November, body slammed, endorsed against marijuana in November, body slammed. So it's not like they have a great deal of impact on what people do. It's been proven that the people of Ohio have rejected them. No,
2: but this That's is right. a we Trump state. I mean, it has this been. Is- it, it has, has been. been. And and I mean, we knew plenty of, of stuff about Trump the last time Ohio went for him. I
1: know. Layla, I had the same thought. I <laughs> I couldn't imagine voting for him in 2016 after what he got caught on tape saying. I, th- I thought he was over then. So like... I can't put myself in the shoes. It just keeps growing and growing and the disbelief. Well,
0: I'm thinking of writing a column in response to the people that want us to push Trump to say we can't do that, but you can. Northeast Ohio proved that when it shows up at the polls, it makes a difference in Ohio. And if Ohio shows up at the polls, Northeast Ohio shows up at the polls next November, they can stop this. It's just in the previous elections, they really have not. So it's about... Ohio, sane Ohioans taking control instead of letting the extremists rule. You're listening to Today in Ohio. This would have been unthinkable in the suburban neighborhood when I grew up, but with a lot of elderly residents fearing ladders, many think it now makes sense. Leo, what's the cost of hiring someone to hang your holiday lights and decorations?
2: According to, to reporter Sean McDonald, folks are willing to shell out between $600 and even $5,000 or more to have someone professionally hang their Christmas lights, I guess the average is about $1,100, or, or you can have lights permanently installed starting at $3,500. Uh, Sean talked to, to one guy who runs a holiday and landscape lighting company who said the demand for this kind of service has really grown a lot and that he started doing this full-time in 2017 after running a power washing business for years. His first year in business, he did $90,000 in revenue in two months. Now he does about a million dollars in that two-month window. And this business owner divulged that some of his customers are the people who enter their homes in those holiday lighting contests. (laughs) But he wasn't (laughs) sure if that breaks the rules. I'd be surprised if it doesn't. Um, He says that the market is becoming more competitive, too, for this. A lot of businesses are starting to offer holiday lighting as a side hustle. Companies that specialize in landscaping or window installation or power washing are getting in the game as their normal business calendars start to slow down in the fall. Outsourcing the lights, I guess, could be an attractive option for people who, like you said, Chris, are elderly. They don't need to be clamoring around, around on ladders, but also... One of the experts pointed out that a lot of newer homes have higher roof lines or a steeper pitch to the roof, which makes it pretty dangerous to get out there on a ladder. So,
0: I did hear from quite a few people when I asked about this on my text account that they do it for that reason. They don't want to get on the ladder. They don't want their family to get on the ladder and that this is money well spent to avoid the injuries. I just was staggered by it. Laura, you put a picture up of your house. It's charming and lovely. Could you imagine getting $1,000 for doing that?
1: Well, to be fair, I only had to climb the ladder in one spot to put a wreath on our garage. Like I put garlands on the front porch. It takes me a half hour and I hung some of those kind of glowing balls from the trees. So I don't have, and I have, if I wanted to do it and I wanted to do it across my porch, I would just stand on the roof and it's a straight line. I do see what they're talking about in those new like super peaked roofs. I would never be able to do that. However, you don't have to. You could just put them on the bushes or the trees. Like you get to choose where you put your lights. So um that said, I love looking at Christmas lights. So uh, the more decorations, the better.
0: I had an interesting moment because of this story. My wife comes down the stairs and says, So I make a straight comment in the car and it becomes a front page story. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's just said, figuring yep, that, that out. That that's about <laughs> to your, your
0: lives become news. <laughs> <laughs> my like, God! My wife mentioned she heard lots of people were doing this in Solon. I'd never heard of it. Brought it back, and it turns out other people had. So we did a story about it. This and seems you like a colossal
2: it. waste of money to me. If you want my <laughs> two cents,
0: <laughs> if I I I did just, that. Is your
2: house all decorated? Yes, but that's because Marty is is uh, Clark Griswold out there till you know midnight <laughs> doing it. I mean. Fear for his life, but he's—he's—I mean—and and yeah, and he even does the backyard. Who does their backyard?
1: I did my backyard this year because I get to look at it, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's it. true. It
2: is really nice to look out the back window and see it. But I just think—I mean—you you don't have to spend the money. There's so many easier, lovely. I love like you know the uh, the wreath on the on the house with the spotlight on it. Like just be classic and simple. You don't know who's who wants to dish out this kind of cash. people that have it i know christmas has gotten out of hand anyway so those well that's for another day
0: (laughs) i drove past the house where somebody was doing it this weekend there were three trucks there from the company it was a huge operation
1: wow so next week we'll talk about all the people who outsource their cookie baking right okay
0: you're (laughs) listening to today in ohio The most interesting read of the weekend was about a guy who died. His nickname was the surgeon, and it was not because of his precision with a knife. Lisa, who was Hartmut Hans Grah, and what is his legacy?
3: Oh, is that how it's pronounced? I went to pronouncethisnow.com and they said it was Hans Grieve. But anyway, his name is 78-year-old Hartmut Hans Grieve. He died October 27th in a Texas federal prison. He was sentenced in 1983 to life plus 103 years for his role as an enforcer for the Cleveland Mafia back in the 1970s. The Carmen Zagaria crew ran a $15 million a year drug ring. They sold cocaine, LSD, meth, among other drugs. Drugs, and they used violence to maintain their dominance in the trade. So Grieve and Kevin McTaggart, who used to work for Danny Green before Danny Green got blown up, um, they were the top enforcers for the Zagaria gang. They went after rivals and deadbeat dealers. About seven killings have been attributed to this gang overall. Grieve was actually a Tremont native. He grew up in Tremont. His mom ran a pickle stand at the West Side Market. Among his victims were Keith Ritson, who was a Danny Green former bodyguard. Grieve shot him in 1978 and dumped his body in a quarry. In 78, he killed a disgruntled cocaine dealer on a boat while the dealer was looking at ducks and then dumped his body in the water. 1980, he cut off the head and hands of a gambler who refused to share his winnings and then they dumped his body in Ashtabula County Berryfield. And he also plotted to kill two FBI agents once he learned they were investigating him. So Grieves attorney Mark Stanton says he was a real scary dude. He says, When I first met him in prison, my knees were knocking under the table. Six foot tall, 280 pounds, with a very menacing aura and diamond shaped eyes.
0: Yeah, he sounded vicious. This all predates me. But when you read what he did, human life meant nothing to this guy. He wasted it profligately. It's amazing to me all his buddies called him the surgeon because of the way he just sliced people up. Mm. Uh, Great story by Adam Farise about some of that mob history going on. Back in the day, you can read it all on Cleveland.com and you are listening to Today in Ohio. How popular is that nonstop flight from Cleveland to Ireland, and is it likely to last longer than some of the short-lived international flights we have had in the past, Laura?
1: Well, I really hope so because I want to go at some point. I can't go in 2024 to Ireland. But I bet everyone on this podcast knows someone who went to Ireland in this past year on Aer Lingus and someone who's planning to go next year. It's on a whole lot of Clevelander's bucket lists. Obviously, we have a huge Irish population or people who – claim to have Irish heritage in Cleveland, and suddenly it's both convenient and relatively cheap to fly there. So in the first full month of operation, more than 5,900 people took that new flight. That was in June. It was 95% of seats all occupied. And that's pretty... Uh, equal to relevant flights from Chicago, New York City, and Philadelphia. Through October, 85% of seats have been filled, and it's staying on the books for right now, but they are not going to expand the number of days or times that they're offering this flight right now.
0: And it sticks around for at least a little while because it's subsidized.
1: There's a guaranteed... (laughs) Guaranteed $12 million for revenue offered by Jobs Ohio. That's how they got this flight in the first time point. That's the private economic development arm of the state. So I don't know if you guys remember, obviously it was pre-COVID, 2018. That was the last time we had a European flight from Cleveland. That just lasted six months. And I still remember 20, 2008 when it was Cleveland to Paris. I believe that was Continental. And that was axed after just four months. And that was a lot of fanfare that started that flight.
0: It was 2008 and the Great Recession happened and it cut That's back true. on everything. We'll have to see if this is one lasts it? beyond the subsidy. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Cuyahoga County Executive Chris Ronayne has some strong feelings about how the region's big planning agency is rushing to renew the contract of its CEO. This comes not long after some controversy about the planning agency playing some odd games about the concept of climate change. Layla, what is Ronayne's beef?
2: We are talking about NOaka, the Northeast Ohio Area-Wide Coordinating Agency. They're the group that plans how to spend millions of dollars on roads and infrastructure in our region. And last week at their monthly meeting, Noaka was expected to vote on whether to expend, uh, extend the contract for Grace Galucci, the CEO. She's been there since 2012, and her current contract ends in June. If the board approves this extension, it would carry her to 2027, making Just over $291,000 a year with the possibility of 3% raises based on performance. But County Executive Chris Renane, who is on the board and is a member of the executive committee, has really objected to the way this proposed contract extension is being handled. He wrote a letter last week to the board chair, John Hammercheck, making his case. He said that this contract is being rushed through without proper vetting and without a detailed performance review of Gallucci. He said the executive committee discussed it in a single meeting in November in executive session and that they were expected to vote then to send it to the full board for approval. And Ronayne wasn't ready to do that. So he voted no during that executive session. He also said that Gallucci was there in the room while they were discussing her contract, which he thought was inappropriate. Hammercheck fired back a written response and said, Ronayne's wrong. They've done their due diligence and they've actually discussed the contract three times. Meeting minutes show that actually, yes, they did at least discuss it once before, but Ronayne in that case had sent someone in his proxy mm. to that meeting. Then Ronayne sent a letter back to Hammercheck an hour before the meeting was supposed to begin on Friday. And in that letter, Ronayne said Galucci had passed a letter to Hammercheck during that November executive session discussion about her salary. Ronayne said that he he hadn't seen Galucci's proposed contract before the, before the vote and that his request to slow this process down fell on deaf ears. So when the matter finally came up for approval on Friday... They voted to table the issue until their next meeting in January. A motion to postpone that vote was approved 23 to 14. Ronane voted no, obvi- or voted yes to table it. Obviously, Dale Miller, Kaiga County Councilman, Parma Mayor Tim Degeeter was another who voted to table, and Cleveland City Councilman Kerry McCormick. Those were among the ones who voted in favor of postponing the vote.
0: One of the big complaints that people have about nonprofit boards is that the board members become serfs to the CEO when the board is supposed to be the watchdog for the CEO. And the idea that that Gallucci would be in the room while they're talking about this is everything you need to know about this board, not doing its job. That's just not appropriate. You're supposed to meet in executive session and have an honest discussion about the performance before you renew the contract. And Ronane's got a point. If you'll you'll remember though, he and Justin Bibb were pretty offended back six, nine months ago when They were putting out a statement at NOACA that was kind of negating the whole idea of climate change because some of the wackadoos on the board believe it's God's will. We did stories Mm -hmm, about this mm -hmm. and Gallucci was not taking control of that. She was going with that wave. So they should be talking about should she still be the CEO? How can you be the head of a regional planning agency and not emphatically say? climate change is a problem and we need to think about it as we map out the planning and sprawl. Mm -hmm. So this is actually all points to Ronan for slowing it down, trying to do the due diligence. Every nonprofit board should operate like that.
2: Yeah. It's unclear what exactly Ronan's beef is, whether it's, you know, with Gallucci, but in his early letter, he specifically said that he wanted her to be reviewed on leadership and that does suggest that it could have something to do with the fact that she nearly let climate change deniers completely derail that climate action plan I don't know. Uh,
3: I'm always suspicious of Ronan's motives. I wonder if he's got somebody in his pocket that he wants in that job and just wants her out of there. I mean, he does have some points, but also I felt like he was asleep at the switch a little bit.
0: Well, I think he woke up, on the climate change issue, because they did, they did overcome that. They did manage to, to change people's minds. And it sounds like now that there, it's time to renew her contract. It's a very expensive contract. What he's saying is, let's talk about it. I don't see how that's a bad thing. And for her to be in the room during that discussion is completely mm-hmm. inappropriate. Hammercheck is way out of line for putting the board members into that. I
2: think, position. though, Lisa, what you're what you're saying is he he was asleep at the switch when they discussed this in prior meetings, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And that he, yeah, he, he probably should have gone to those meetings Thank instead you. of sending someone in, in his place. But I completely agree, Galucci should not be in the room True. while they're discussing. What's the point of being an executive session? What to just to keep the public from knowing what you're talking about? When the person whose salary and and contract is is uh, up for renewal is right there in the room, that's uh, yeah, that I feel like that defeats the purpose of the executive session.
0: I think you guys are asking too much of Ron. Name if he goes to these meetings, he won't have time to take pictures of sunrises <laughs> and sunsets to put on his Twitter account. You know, let's have some priorities here.
2: Oh man,
0: you're listening to today in Ohio. Speaking of NOACA, has the board declared war on Mike DeWine and the legislature for their very unusual interference in a decision on an interstate exit for Strongsville? Stick with you, Layla.
2: Strongsville has sought for more than a decade to have a new exit built off of I-71 at Boston Road right at the border of Brunswick and Medina County. They say they need this exit to help alleviate traffic congestion because of their giant mall there, <laughs> and residential subdivisions that are really near I seventy one. Brunswick has long been opposed to that, and says why should they suffer the traffic and and residents losing their homes to eminent domain potentially just because Strongsville is overdeveloped. So then the state st- stuck its nose into this issue. An amendment inserted into the state's two year budget bill by Republican state representative Tom Patton, who represents Strongsville required construction of the exit, even though federal law requires the Ohio Department of Transportation and NOACA to approve the project. After signing the bill in March, Governor DeWine said he was concerned about subverting normal highway planning procedures, but that he would try to broker an agreement. Well, NOACA on Friday at this meeting voted unanimously to oppose the exit. And the resolution that they passed asserts that Noaka, not the state legislature, and not DeWine, will determine whether this exit gets any consideration. And so far, Noaka is a no.
0: It was inappropriate what the legislature did. We do have a system in place to decide these kinds of things. The, the process had moved too slowly. I don't think Noaka, was giving it the full hearing, which is what got Patton so torque that he put this bill in. But the bill is not the way to go. Mike DeWine shouldn't have agreed to it. Uh, but this is a legislature and a governor that have completely thrown the rule of law out the window. I mean, we saw it on gerrymandering. We've seen it on a number of things. They're about to do it to marijuana. They're Even though voters spoke loud and clear, it sounds like they're going to greatly change that. So I don't think the legislature cares what the rules are. It's it's the government no longer matters. We're going to do whatever we want. And NOACA fighting back is a good thing. But can they beat the legislature?
2: I don't know. I mean, Patton says he doesn't think that the NOACA vote necessarily kills this issue. He said he hopes that that they allow for further study. Because back in June, Strongsville released a feasibility study that outlined five possibilities for this connection at Boston Road, but none of them really solved the congestion issues. And so ODOT has said that NOACA would need to authorize further study of the issue. So the ball is in their court for that too. And Patton hopes that that they take it up.
0: It is disappointing that NOACA is not looking for a solution here. There's clearly a conflict and the the options on the table don't really work as they now stand, but why aren't we looking for other potential options? Why isn't somebody trying to find an acceptable solution? But they have it's been doing
3: that. They've looked at other exits and talked about other exits, and I think Patton, to his credit, he was tired. This has been a decade-long fight between Strongsville and Brunswick. I don't even know if it can be resolved.
0: But, but that's what NOAC is supposed to work toward. So, so you're saying, well, they tried. Well, you shouldn't give up. You should keep trying until you come up with a workable solution. This isn't the answer. Throwing out the whole system of how you choose where to put interchanges because one legislator is tired of it, that's, that's not the way to get to a good solution. You're listening to Today in Ohio. For decades, we've been told that sugar is bad for us for a whole bunch of reasons. Suddenly, however, because of university hospitals, we may see sugar as a powerful weapon against a terrible cancer. Lisa, what is the sweet news? Yeah, this is
3: fascinating to me. And I worked at a cancer center for 17 years, and I've never heard anything like this. Researchers at UH Seidman Cancer Center have discovered that glucose, which is that simple sugar that your body uses as fuel, makes pancreatic cancer cells more susceptible to chemotherapy. So, Dr. Jordan Winner, his lab is testing the effects of high glucose levels in cell cultures and in mice, and he says the results are nothing short of dramatic. He said mice with pancreatic tumors usually died within about two months, but high blood sugar in other mice caused the tumors to stop growing, and they were all alive four months later. So, cancer cells typically don't have access to nutrients and glucose, and so that puts them on constant alert for survival. They're always looking for ways to To get around your body. But they find that, you know, high sugar levels lulls these cells into a false sense of security. So they go on the attack and they let their guard down a little bit. And so it makes the, the tumors easier to treat. Immune molecules, the, the, The molecules that fight off cancer and disease need a lot of glucose to operate. Um, They say that low sugar levels are protecting cancer cells from an immune attack. That's pretty interesting. And so they want to move on to do this in human testing. So they're designing a clinical trial for humans. One arm, they would have, uh, they say 40% of pancreatic patients have high blood sugar. So those with high blood sugar in the trial would stop their meds during treatment. And the 60% with normal blood sugar levels they'll have those levels artificially raised with IV glucose along with their chemotherapy so that sounds really interesting
0: Well and the best part of this is it's not like a drug that needs years yes. and years to get approval if it works you could do it tomorrow because the tools are already there to elevate the glucose levels What a fascinating theory and the way they went about showing. It is just great. University Hospital's doing something very cool here with one of the most devastating cancers, because usually by the time you're diagnosed with pringed Yeah, it's, cancer, it's
3: one of the top five worst, deadliest cancers, yeah.
0: Yeah, it, you don't have a lot of time left, so hopefully this will work. You're listening to Today in Ohio. That's it for Monday. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Layla. Thanks, Can Laura. I-
1: Can I jump in here? I just got breaking news that Sam Randazzo was indicted, so we'll have (gasps) something up immediately.
0: (laughs) How about that? Can't even say they heard
1: today's podcast, but breaking news, people. All All right. right. We'll
0: talk about that tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Come on back.